0: Week two, all of our stats were up. We got interaction, and then Twitch has to go
1: be a pain in our ass. Here we go. It is Tuesday, December 11th, 2018, and you are tuned in to the fastest half hour in sports here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. Well, no, actually, you're tuned in to podbean.com backslash hitting the marks because HTM sports is only going to be available in audio form this week because Twitch doesn't seem to like Huckleberry and I. So HTM sports powered by the roar network at the gorilla my name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for the man on the wing, RBV. Rick, I think uh, we're, we're calling us in off of the bench for like the 18th time at this point.
0: It's me, it's me. It's that honor of the B Rick Vickery here. Once again, hashtag HTM Sports. And Jargo, I think uh, this might have been Twitch's way of telling us that maybe we're, we're better off just staying in radio. That yeah. we, we've got the perfect faces for radio.
1: Yeah, Twitch, uh, Twitch not being our friend this week, but that's all right. We're still going to pump out the content and do what we can for you here at HTM Sports, get you all caught up on the week that was NFL Week 14, and then we're going to talk a little bit of basketball on the back end for all you NBA fans. So, Huckleberry, I guess let's go ahead and let's start in the NFL That's right, week 14 has come and gone, and Huckleberry, it is going to cost the Dallas Cowboys a whole lot of money. That's right, Dak Prescott in a contract year, and this week the Cowboys defeat the Eagles 29-23 at home in overtime. Rick, this team is going to have to pay Dak Prescott, and it's all going to go to hell. We have seen this model over and over, whether it's Green Bay, whether it's Seattle. It doesn't matter. As soon as you overpay that quarterback, your franchise goes in the toilet. How much money would you be willing to pay Dak Prescott?
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, as you said, contract year. The important thing now is you know that the Prescott stock is rising. Uh, And it it looks like, you know, the sky's the limit here for him. You know, they're going to keep on rolling. The schedule's not that tough to close out the year. Take the division. If they can – and this team is built pretty well with that running game, that defense. Uh, They can be a force on the road. They can definitely win at home. Uh, And Prescott, you know, he's the leader there. He's driving them. But you've got those other elements that they could be quite dangerous in the postseason, especially with the track record there, to get that monkey off their back. If he can get a win in the playoffs, man – you talk about a payday of epic proportions. He gets a win there. He's going to be looking at like around a $30 million deal.
1: Absolutely absurd. So this week, Dak Prescott goes 42 of 54. He dropped back to throw the ball 54 freaking times. Three touchdowns. 455 yards, but Rick, I I feel like these stats are so skewed because when you really look at this thing, Dallas had the ball for 45 minutes, their time of possession at 45 minutes. Amari Cooper, 217 yards, all three of Dak Prescott's touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, he goes for 113 yards on the ground and then 79 yards receiving as well. Dak Prescott isn't the key to what's going on down there in Dallas. It's the supporting cast. And if you overpay Dak, you're going to lose the supporting cast.
0: Well, which, and how you approach this, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, is exactly how you laid it out there. I mean, you have to be very tactful in these negotiations. And actually, you're not waiting until the offseason. You're starting those things now to try to catch him in the moment. You know, because as I was saying, you know, that Dak is, he is a great leader. That is one of the, you know, the, the very, you know, elite qualities about him as an individual—he is a true leader uh, for the boys in blue. There, but you want to catch him, you know, maybe where his emotions are wrapped up, and that he will maybe cut you a deal on this. You have to present it in that way to him. You know, almost you look at the top ten, the highest-paid quarterbacks in this league, and only like two to three of them are on playoff-caliber teams. Uh, the rest are struggling because the quarterback position—it is. The perception that, you know, it's overvalued and they're overpaying these individuals, it sacrifices the rest of the team. So you're going to have to approach him with that there. Say, hey, man, we we want to build around you. We want a future. Would you take a little less? I don't know how they really structure that because you want to make sure you're getting taken care of in the league because, hey, there are no guarantees in the NFL. You, You want to get what you can while you can. But when it really comes down to, you know, playing hardball in these negotiations, they're going to have to lay out the things you just laid out. Hey, this team is about the running game. It is about the defense. Uh, They can go get another quarterback to get the ball out to, you know, Cooper and these other wide receivers. You almost have to when you're in in, in these negotiations, you're going to have to devalue him a little bit and try to bring him back, you know, bring him back to even playing field. I'll tell you what, if I'm Prescott, like I said, obviously, you want to really get paid. But you start looking around this league, you start looking even at, at the upper echelon, the All-Stars, like an Aaron Rodgers, look what the Packers are going through. And even to other individuals that you might be more comparable to, like a Kirk Cousins with Minnesota, who got overpaid there. And that actually is a decent team, but things aren't working there for him. It's going to be a tough decision. I, I ultimately think I think he looks good in the blue. He looks good with the star. He's a good fit down there. They've got a great chemistry. I think they're going to come to some kind of deal. He's going to be making a huge, you know, a huge chunk of change. But hopefully he'll come off, you know, at that expected $28, 30000000 mark.
1: Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both got paid, and both of their teams went in the toilet. Tom Brady and Drew Brees both took pay cuts and they're two of the best teams in the league, consistently year in
0: and year out. There's reasons for that. Uh, well, and, and you know, just real quick, also with 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 Dak, you got to look at it too. Just because you lose a little bit through your football contract, you can negotiate other other tools. There, I man, he's he's still young. Like I said, he's got that he's got that presence about He's a leader, uh, good looking, well spoken kid. You know, you can make up for that if you're a winner in this league. You can make up for that in your endorsements. Big endorsement deals are going to even that gap out that what you might leave on the table for your football contract.
1: Let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams exposed this weekend by the Chicago Bears. The Bears take them down 15 to 6. Rick, this sounds like an absolutely ridiculous question, but are the Los Angeles Rams at 11 and 2 still a contender? they granted they've only fallen to the two seed but listen to some of these scores as i'm going through here they lose to chicago 15 to 6 they beat kansas city by four points they beat seattle by five points they lose to new orleans by 10 points they beat green bay by two points did we all get fooled into thinking that the rams were really better than they are
0: well, I, this, you know, this isn't you, Jargo. This is, you know, a, a wide variety of analysts out there that the true experts. I think that maybe they're reading into this a little too much. You know, if this is a tough league, and when and the, the list of individual teams you just ran through there, you know, maybe today Green Bay's not in that group, but they were when they played the Rams. Uh, you're talking about playoff caliber teams, and, and when you're lining up, every game is so important when you're when you're buying for a position in that postseason. They, hey, any win is a good win. And the way that the league is set up now, it's set up for these type of close shootout style games. And obviously, with 11-2, and more than not, much more than not, the Rams are coming out on top. Now, under different circumstances, I think, yeah, we should be worried for the Rams here. But let's remember, you know, they went into Chicago, very, very cold night game, you know, completely out of their element. They're not going to have to deal with that in the postseason.
1: No, there is that. That's true.
0: You know, even, you know, they're going to right now that they're in position for that buy, they're going to host that game. Worst case scenario, they have to go back to New Orleans where they already showed they almost won that game. You know, that was one of the thrillers of the year. It's indoors. It's on, you know, the artificial turf down there. They're fine. They can run inside. It's going to be temperature control. They're not going to have to go back to, you know, to Chicago or worry about going up to Seattle in the postseason. They're going to be playing in their elements.
1: New Orleans defeats Tampa Bay 28-14. So now New Orleans has a firm lock on the number one seed going into the NFC playoffs with only three games left to go. Do you buy McTitties in the Chicago Bears? For those of you who wonder why I may call Mitchell Trubisky McTitties, just go back through his Twitter feed. You'll find some very, very interesting stuff on there about how much he loves boobies. Um, Hey, who doesn't? Fair enough. Do you buy the Chicago Bears? How long can they ride that defense? Do you buy that defense in January going on the road?
0: Hey, I was going to say, you know, when you get into the playoffs, when you get into the playoffs, playoff football, you got to really buckle down. The officiating buckles down a little bit. It comes down to, you know, some hard-nosed defense. And in today's NFL, hard-nosed defense just means, you know, you're not going to dominate like you like you did here all the time. But you got to come up, make those big plays. And this defense is built for that. You know, Mack up front, he can he can wreak havoc anywhere. Uh, I like these guys. I, you know, it's taken them a little bit to come around and catch it. Really, not the attention, but the support of a lot of analysts out there. But hey, I, you know, come January, I wouldn't want to be looking across the field from these guys.
1: The Bears and the Rams both are going to find themselves in a very, very similar situation to Dallas with Dak Prescott very, very soon with uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Jared Goff. It'll be very interesting to see how this trend of overpaying these quarterbacks, how this is all going to shake out as it goes throughout the league. The Seahawks put down the Vikings, speaking of overpaid quarterbacks, 21-7 to on Monday Night Football. At least Monday Night Raw didn't have a, a real good Monday Night Game to go against this week. Kirk Cousins now four and 24 against teams with a better than 500 or better record. Rick, there's an article out that came out this morning from bleacher report that is entitled how Kirk Cousins stole $84 million from the Minnesota Vikings. Are you ready to call this thing a complete bust in Minnesota?
0: Well, I I wonder is is Cousins getting too much of the blame here. Yeah, Because to me, a lot of this, this has to fall squarely on Vikings management shoulders. You know, obviously they go out, they spend the world to bring him in here, but they didn't do they didn't do their research. He's not his style of play does not fit into Zimmer's offensive game plan or the directive he wants. I mean, this is supposed to be more of a why he's a more of a wide open comparable of Rodgers and those types of quarterbacks that, that likes to throw the ball. And they are built around a run game here. You know, it's like putting a square, a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to fit.
1: And now we have seen that this offensive game plan is going to change because offensive coordinator John Filippo has been fired shortly before we started recording here today. So he is on his way out. Kurt Cousins has gotten at least one coach fired. Do you feel like Zimmer is on the hot seat at all up there in Minnesota right now, especially if they miss the playoffs?
0: You know, as I said, you know, front office wise from whoever was involved with this, ownership, general managers, head coach. I mean, they all really have to take a look at themselves uh, and maybe, you know, making the shakeup at offensive coordinator. Maybe this, you know, this is them saying, OK, we made a mistake here. Well, let's let's pull the reins back. Let's go in a new direction. Let's give it to a, a young new coach. Give him an opportunity. Open it up a little bit more for him. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's but there's not a lot of time. To reevaluate because you're still hanging on to that last playoff position. Yeah, uh, and there's there's an outside outside chance you can grab this division. I mean, there's still so much to play for. It's not like you have to go into rebuilding mode. I mean, you gotta. You know, one of my favorite sayings in in marketing is you you have to remain liquid, which means you have to be able, able to move and adjust to any formation at any time. Uh, that's what they've got to do here. Uh, they got to remain liquid. They got to keep moving forward. They still have a lot to play for, but they got to get this thing right. It, it'll be really interesting. You know, maybe possibly they just pull cousins and go with the backups. So they can rely, you know, go with their vision of the running game and staying true to that. But that's a lot of money to be sitting on the sideline there and they have to be able to part ways, you know, just for your buyout or to deal something like that. You know, they're going to have a big mess to clean up in the offseason.
1: And I think the other thing that plays into this is last year, I never bought the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, they had a good run all the way through the playoffs last year, going to the championship game and the NFC, but I never bought them. I never bought them as a legit contender. And I said, wait and see what happens when they play a first place schedule next year. I'm feeling the same way about the Chicago Bears this year. When the Bears come out next season and they have to play a first place schedule and suddenly you're playing teams like New England, you're playing teams like the Rams... How good are the Bears really going to be next year with Mitchell Trubisky at the helm? It's going to be very, very interesting to see how all this works out. So right now, here is your current NFC playoff picture. Your one seed is the New Orleans Saints at 11-2. They hold the win over the Los Angeles Rams at 11-2 as well. Then you have the Bears at 9-4, Cowboys at 8-5, Seahawks at 8-5, and the Lowly Vikings down there at 6-6-1. and Huckleberry, what do you think of this NFC playoff picture right now? I, it's hard to see anybody beating the Saints.
0: Well, I'd say it was really interesting as you look at the final three games there between. I mean, still a very close race there between you know the Saints and the Rams. Uh, one little mishap could shake up the entire. You know, who's going to own home field there uh, for the Saints? Final three games, they have got Carolina twice and the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Yeah, and Pittsburgh is kind of coming unraveled and needs all the wins they can get right now.
0: Uh, Carolina maybe maybe could be a challenge uh, in Carolina. On the road, they're abysmal. One in six on the year. Uh, you know, that's almost a given for them. You go to the other side of the coin, though. You know, the Rams, they're they are not facing the greatest of obstacles either here. They've got the Eagles, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. Ouch. Uh, I mean you go to those final two games the Cardinals and 49ers you're almost you're playing almost a college schedule. It's <laughs> dropping down. You know you're they
1: would really like to rest some players going into the playoffs though and it doesn't look like they're going to have that opportunity whatsoever.
0: Well, you, know, you get into that final week, maybe you see that the Saints are going to rest theirs, you like I said, you know you can go down there and play, you can hang with them in New Orleans. It is indoors, you're not worried about, you know, losing You know, having to travel to, you know, cold weather stadium or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how these two teams, you know, battle it out. And then, obviously, when you get down to the three, four, five, and six, and then the teams that are kind of fighting, trying to get in there, uh, all bunched up. It's going to be an exciting three weeks. Like, like we said in the preview for the show, this is crunch time. Uh, This is when you, you need to really step it up. We're going to see the best from the best each. I got a little bit of take of what we saw from this week, but I'll save it kind of for my wrap up here at the end.
1: Let's throw things over to the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs escape the Baltimore Ravens 27-24. to 24. Rick, I didn't get to see any of this game, but when I saw this score, my immediate thought was, Pittsburgh is going to be in trouble. Baltimore is a coming for them. If they're giving Kansas city, that kind of a game. And then I saw the Steelers go down to the Raiders 24 to 21. It seems as though that, that defense that was holding Pittsburgh together there, they're kind of in disarray now. And we're left with the dysfunctional offense. That is Pittsburgh and they're losing to the Raiders. The Raiders don't even want to win football games at this point. For God's sake, they just fired their general manager. But boy, oh boy, is Pittsburgh lucky that Baltimore lost that game to Kansas City, or Pittsburgh would be in some serious trouble right now.
0: Well, I'm going to say, I want to speak first to uh, Kansas City, Is if you've got it here, escaping the Ravens. Yes, it was a close game. It, it took the overtime. But again, I want to go back. You know, this deep into the season, I mean, we're looking at. You know, playoff caliber football from these teams that are fighting, uh, scratching, clawing their way, trying to get in here. And you got to remember, this Ravens organization—they know what it's like to be here. They know what it's like to go on the road late in the year and have to give everything you have got, fighting with everything you got to survive for another day. To me, I think this is a tremendous win for the Chiefs. You know, it shows that they can stay cool under this kind of pressure. They're, they're not this time of year; they're not just cruising the victories like they were before. Although it was at home, you know it shows that you know that they, they can hold off a playoff caliber team. Uh, Mahomes' tremendous, tremendous leadership. Uh, a hell of a game. I know you didn't get to see any of it. I'm sure you saw the highlights. Did you see the no look pass? Oh yeah. I mean that that's blowing up the highlights everywhere. I, I think this game right here, this was the exclamation point. This is where he slammed the lid on the great conversation that everyone's been having. You and I have had back and forth about who's going to be the MVP. I think he might have won it in this game. I, he, I think he definitely distanced himself right here. Uh, tremendous young quarterback. Like I said, the team is over—you know—overcoming all the controversy here in the last couple of weeks with all the terrible press. Defense played amazing. Uh, a great win for the Chiefs. A uh, devastating loss for the Ravens. A little bit, but hey, they got to take a little bit from this. that they went on the road in the Arrowhead right here against everything the Chiefs got, gave them everything, and then they be able to come out of this and look over. It said a, a devastating loss, I think, for the for the Steelers. Absolutely. How else do you frame it? Well, you've got you've got three in a row now for the Steelers. Three big losses in a row, still somehow managing to just hold on to first place, but it's not going to get any easier for them. We look at the next two games, what they've got coming up. You've got New England, you've got New Orleans. Yep. Uh, this thing could this thing could get out of hand quickly.
1: Speaking of the Patriots, they lose an opportunity this week to uh, put a little bit of distance between themselves. Patriots fall to the Dolphins, 34-33, to two games behind the Chiefs now. With three games to go, it seems as though the road to the Super Bowl is firmly going to go through Kansas City. Huckleberry, what do you think? Can the Patriots go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs? <clears throat>
0: You know, I, was, I was going to kind of bring this up at the end and what something I've seen around the league, but this is, this is the fitting spot for it. We were just talking about the Steelers who it was evident with them throughout their entire game. And probably more so for anyone with the, with the Patriots, this was just all around one of the sloppiest games I've ever seen them play. And not, not from the physical aspect, but just, I mean, mental you know, coaching, coaching wise mentally, which is one of the things you do not want to see happening week 14 in the NFL and that, that comes down to preparation throughout the year. One of the things that jumped out to me, I haven't seen anyone else really touching on when it comes to, comes to the Patriots. What have they always been about? We go back to the Super Bowl parades. No days off. No days off. No days off. What happened last week? We, show, we see a little bit of the human side of Belichick. After a big win, uh, he kind of gives that pause. He says, you know what? I'll see you on Wednesday. They took an extra day off. Took an extra day off, and they come out here. They go down to Miami, where they historically, in the last, you know, the last few years, oh, they do they do not play well in Miami. I, I believe that the Patriots have dropped four of the last six yep. on the road in Miami. But in this game, you know, it the end of the everyone's thinking about the end of the game, the miraculous play, how crazy that was. You know, the highlight of the week. But there was a lot of breakdowns in that game, a lot of questionable calls from the coaching staff, even Brady himself. Uh, not realizing realizing they didn't have any timeouts in the first half, you know, taking that fall essentially costing them a field goal that who knows could have come back and helped them win this game. Very unlike the Patriots, uh, you have to worry about that right now. But or it could be something you look back as a blessing, lights that fire. But right now, you know, it, it's pretty much this is hand at Kansas City home field, and and now they're just now they're in a fight just to get to get a bye.
1: Yeah, because. The Texans could have overtaken the Patriots, but they don't. They fall to the Colts, 24-21 in Houston. On their home field, they go down. Rick, you were talking about Patrick Mahomes and how he's got to be the MVP. To me, it's clear. The MVP of the league is Andrew Luck absolutely no doubt you take andrew luck off of the indianapolis colts and how awful is that football team it's not who's the best player on on the best team it's who's the most valuable and andrew luck is the most valuable player in the nfl to the indianapolis colts
0: well i think you're a little bit skewed there it is who's the most valuable it is most valuable to the league and that's usually going to be highlighted by someone who's on one of the league's best, who is putting up, you know, topping the leaderboards in all the stats. That goes back to Holmes, but you are right—an uh, incredible player there with Luck. He's doing so much with so little. And we've been saying here for weeks, you know, they were picking up steam. Watch out for them. They're knocking on the door. They're one spot away from getting into the playoffs here. As I was saying, you know, it's it's in the end of season. Can be really interesting to see how it plays out on the top. I mean, right here for this six seed, the Ravens holding on there. You know, such a great effort right now with their young quarterback. At you know, he's three and one, but they might have a little bit of controversy up there because now Flacco might be okay. And they've already come out and said they are going to work him into the game plan, whatever the hell that means. Uh, I don't sound like he's going to get anything of substance, but they're they're planning on having packages available for him.
1: Hopefully, that doesn't cause
0: any kind of distraction. Wildcat shit. But you know you got the Colts who are red hot that could easily slide into this playoffs and make make a great deal of noise, and then sitting there also at seven to six you got the Dolphins and the Titans, which on any given week you know they look like one of the league's top, and then the next week it's they look like they should be fighting for one of the top draft picks. So you don't know what you're going to get there. It's going to be very interesting on both sides of the coin for both of these conferences to to watch these playoffs unfold.
1: One team we know is not going to make the playoffs is going to be your Cincinnati Bengals. They go down this week to the Los Angeles Chargers, who might be the best team in Los Angeles. We spent all this time talking about the Rams at the beginning, but you know, the Chargers, they happen to be 10-3. and They're only one game behind Kansas City. If Kansas City loses one game and the Chargers win out, Huckleberry is there a possibility that Kansas City doesn't even end up with
0: a buy? See, I'm not so much buying into this Charger hype. The last couple, they've been getting by with some questionable victories. You know, the, the, the officiating that win last week over over Pittsburgh—obvious bad calls all over there. You know, not to excuse Pittsburgh for their mental breakdowns, obvious bad calls. Uh, some questionable calls yesterday, and the Bengals, uh, you know, with so many injuries, so many young players in there, they were not mentally prepared. Uh, just mental breakdowns left and right to allow the Chargers to pick up this win, uh, five point victory over them. But hey, you know it is all about winning. I, I don't know if I'm really buying the Chargers. I-, I don't even really like them in the playoff round or in the wild card round hosting a game. I think somebody could come get that. So here
1: is your current AFC playoff picture. The Chiefs at 11-2, Patriots at 9-4 and but of course they hold the tiebreaker over the Texans at 9-4 because the Texans have never defeated the New England Patriots. You have the Steelers they're dropped all the way down to the 4 seed now at 7-5-1 whoever would have thought that that tie early in the season might be what wins Pittsburgh this division. The Chargers the 5 seed at 10-3 because that's just how things work out because they wouldn't be winning their division then you have the ravens at seven and six and huckleberry mentioned the colts dolphins and titans all at seven and six it's just that the ravens currently hold the tiebreaker rick the afc is really heating up i think that's really the interesting one to watch right now
0: yeah i was gonna say both sides of the coin i guess just go back real quick overall for this week. though, one thing that really worries me about the NFL. So this is crunch time. This is when you should be playing your best ball, looking towards the playoffs, but across the board, outside of teams that I mentioned, you know, like the Steelers, the Patriots, the Bengals, so many mental, mental letdowns this week. Uh, and that comes down to actually, you know, conditioning. You are getting tired. You're letting yourself get lazy. That falls on coaching. You know, it's, it's that's, those are internal problems. And then outside of that, Kind of mentioning, you know, some questionable officiating. They are making the referees are making mistakes that they should not be making at this point in in the season. Two major issues that have me very worried going into the playoff, especially when the league is set up the way it is, where they want these high scoring shootouts, and you have one or two calls, you know, are going to cost a team very dearly.
1: Yep, I agree completely. So let's go ahead. Let's throw things over to the NBA to wrap up the show. All right, Huckleberry, let's talk about uh, L.A. Braun. and let's talk about his good friend, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, they broke all kinds of kayfabe last night. See these guys hugging after the game, exchanging jerseys. Just because they used to be tag team partners, the honeymoon is
0: over. These two guys shouldn't be hanging out anymore. Come on. If this was the world of professional wrestling, smart heads would be exploding everywhere. How dare they? How dare they do something like this? But I thought it was kind of cool. You know, this is like two old, old friends from the Bullet Club getting back together. Hey, and uh, for one last time.
1: Yeah, this was the final Uh, one.
0: This is the final time that that they're going to meet up.
1: You know who else Uh, is losing their minds? The New York Knicks. Did you hear uh, LeBron's comment right before the big embrace? Dwayne Wade said something about, you know, thanks, you know, for the last go round and and LeBron made the comment that it was either going to be at here or in the garden and Nick fans heads just fucking exploded. Absolutely love it. Shout out to big Ray Hernandez. Just think you could have had LeBron, but nope, nope. New York weather sucks. He went to LA instead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that That's a perfect setup here for something. You know, we were going to talk a little bit about, about what LeBron is accomplishing, what the Lakers are doing right now. And it really got me thinking, you know, going back to I, I was right here, finger on the pulse with all this LeBron talk here in Cleveland. You know, it, it's it flipped this economy. It just rocked the city to its core to lose him. So you know, I was really in touch with all the news that was developing there. And at that time, you know, people letting you know, who cares going to L.A.? They're terrible. You know, letting go. He could go these other places. He's going out there. He's just going out there for the fame, for Hollywood. You know, they were very bitter here. In Cleveland about it, and now I'm able to kind of step back and look at the moves he's making. It really reminds me. You always hear about uh, a carbon footprint, you know, just the little things that you do in your everyday life and how it has, you know, this grand effect on our environment. So i, start, I started sort thinking about the LeBron footprint in the NBA and how even the littlest of moves, you know, just just one man, even though he's a superstar, the best of the league, the top of the mountain, but. Just little moves. One man can shake up the entire league. And You can look around, look around the Eastern Conference, top to bottom, the Western Conference, top to bottom, and you can see, you know, that that imprint that he has left on this thing. You know, right there, a simple move. If he would have went to New York, change how would that would have changed everything. Even the look in the East.
1: Oh yeah, they'd be first place in the Eastern Conference.
0: There's absolutely no doubt in my mind, and the Knicks are awful. Well, yeah, they're sitting here at 8-20 and 20 right now, uh, staring at the, at the bottom, the very bottom half of, you know, the very bottom quarter of the Eastern Conference. But even more so, I mean, him going out West, how much it's shaken. Obviously, you still have Golden State, who are the kings, the kings of the conference, the kings of the NBA. But, but now, just because LeBron is in their backyard, you're starting to see cracks in the crowd. Oh yeah, you're starting to see the ascension there, where the, the dynasty is starting to fall. You, you see the other cont- the big contenders that were supposed to be out there, the Rockets. You know they're sitting at 11 and, 11 and 14, the second worst record in the West. You've got some other teams that have kind of snuck up there. You know, that's just not negatives for other teams. You got the Denver Nuggets, the, the LA Clippers that are sitting up there amongst the very best in the West. But I was sitting there looking, I was looking at the winners and losers in this LeBron move. And a lot of people say, hey, the Los Angeles Lakers, they they made out the best. They're, they're going into this thing. They're, they're movers. They're continually to, to change the pieces to make sure they fit around LeBron. They're, they're not going to sit content just saying, all right, this year's about, you know, adjusting to him, seeing what he can do with the, the players we have. No, they're they're really looking at big trades still going on. They're looking at making moves. But I do look up around this league. I think the biggest winners in this entire thing, that it has to be, the Toronto Raptors. Oh yeah. Without look at, any look at, question. Look at these guys. I mean, it's no surprise that they're at the top of the east, 21 and 7. They have been they have been in that position for years now. But what has been the one obstacle that's always come back to get them? That that dagger that they could not overcome and that is when they run in LeBron in the playoffs. I mean, it was such an issue that a great winning coach lost his job just simply over that. So now they're sitting up there. They're hoping to cruise through this thing. I think the Raptors, the biggest thing here in the LeBron footprint, but to speak more to the Lakers, I know you want to really jump into it. you got some great stats here, Jerk. Well, I mean,
1: I'm looking at this, and to me, it's clear. We're 27 games into the season, and LeBron James is clearly the most valuable player in the NBA. He's clearly the most valuable player to the Lakers. He's clearly the most valuable player in the Western Conference because now you're seeing all these super teams put together around – in the west to try to take down lebron james as well as what they're doing in golden state and then you look at the eastern conference and the eastern conference is awful the lakers are they're here at 17 and 10 okay that's not necessarily too bad but when you look at it that's fifth place a game and a half out of first there's only one and a half games separating first place and fifth place in the West, you've got OKC, Golden State, Denver, and those damn Clippers. You mentioned them at the beginning of the show. I wish they'd moved back to the forum, them sons of bitches. And then you look at the Eastern Conference. LeBron James leaves Cleveland, and suddenly Cleveland is 6-21. and 21. That's probably what the Lakers would be without LeBron. They would probably be a 6-21 team in the West. The Cavs, 14th place, 14 and a half games out. The season's basically already over. You've got Kawhi Leonard up there in Toronto just going absolutely crazy because he's playing against subpar competition. You've got the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, yeah, they've been a perennial power in the East. They're in there at second place. You've got the 76ers who told everybody to trust the process, their process, get a whole bunch of rookies, fail miserably, go out and get a star and Jimmy Butler from the Minnesota Timberwolves, put him on the team, and suddenly you find yourself in third place. Then you've got the Indiana Pacers, and then all the way down there you have the Boston Celtics. Remember how good the Celtics were supposed to be? What the hell happened there? Can we get the Celtics in Houston to play a best of seven to see the who's the biggest disappointment in the NBA this season? It's absolutely ridiculous. But above everything else, LeBron James, MVP, MVP. Write it up. Fakers number one.
0: Well, yeah, I want to say, you know, to be fair to Cleveland, they were they were six and twenty one seasons before LeBron came back here. And when he left, you know, the coverage was bare. They just reverted back to what they were. Uh, it's no surprise here. You know, real quick, there with some of the top teams. Yeah, the Raptors, they were supposed to be there. They have been there. The Bucks are looking strong. The Sixers, that experiment has been with Butler, has been a mess right now. I mean, they're still hanging in there in the you know in an Eastern Conference. Too That's many damn mess. egos, man. The the Pacers, they had all that money to spend last year, didn't make any real moves. They dumped instead of added. The Celtics, you're right. And there's something that even when you know when they took when they brought Kyrie over, even last year when they were still hanging in there, something just wasn't gelling for them. But I want to you know, speak to what you're saying. Overall, you take LeBron. You show the, how important he is to a conference. Take him out of the East, yeah, and and now when we're looking at like television and hype and all that, like how many how many TNT primetime games do you see featured around the Eastern Conference or on ESPN or you know the Sunday afternoon games? No one's talking about anything from the East. You, you turn on Fox Sports One, ESPN, all the headlines are circled around everything that's going on in the West. The East is essentially they've become. Like some kind of voiding between the D League and the NBA.
1: The only thing that anybody wants to talk about in the East right now is what a clusterfuck of a mess the Chicago Bulls are. And Rick, unfortunately, we're out of time, so we're going to have to wait until next week to talk about it. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for watching. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Yeah, that's funny. You can tell I wrote this close before we had all these technical problems and or listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button, then find RBV and I on the Hitting the Marks Pro- wrestling podcast this friday at hittingthemarks.podbean.com and friday night right back here on twitch assuming that we can get the damn thing to work rick and i are hoping to do a very special wrap-up show for ring of honors final battle you can find the show on twitter at htmpw pod find us on the roar network at the gorilla find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv
0: where does the eastern conference find you Well, as always, you can find me across all social media platforms at The Real RBV, but I wanted to take this opportunity while we're getting out of here uh, to remind everyone and invite everyone to head on over to ESPN.com, hit up the fantasy section, and do a search for the HTM Sports Pick'Em Challenge. Uh, You just got to do a search for HTM Sports Bowl Pick'Em. The password there is HTM Sports. Uh, We've we've got spots filling up daily. What you got to do, hey, we're just lining up all the bowl games. It's a straight-up pick. Uh, Whoever gets the most right at the very end Is going to be uh, declared our winner And as promised uh, A quick announcement here For our two top scores in that thing Grand prize is there We're going to make you famous uh, the first place prize, second place, you are going to be kind of the same thing. First is going to go, you know, take off the first one and leave the left for the other. But you're going to get an opportunity to uh, come on air with Jargon and I uh, on Twitch, uh, hashtag HGM Sports, or you can join us uh, for an episode of the Hitting the Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast or even over on the Omni Media Group in the locker room. There's going to be up, up for grabs.
1: Uh, looking forward to that. Unless your name is Jersey Mike, then you can go fuck yourself. We'll talk to you Friday on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!
0: Like he can figure out how to fucking sign up.